0: What's up, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude Podcast. And uh, we're going to switch a little bit of gears today, folks. We're not going to talk about attraction-based marketing. What we're going to talk about is building your damn bank accounts and your clients. And uh, one of the things I've always been really puzzled with as we've uh, practiced within the real estate industry is the lack of actual real estate agents that are investors on themselves, as well as having the skills to serve clients who are investors as well, like working with investors period is probably one of the smartest things an agent can do because they buy multiple properties each and every year, not one every three to five years. And the truth is guys is that nobody hires you based on the fact that you have a real estate license. They hire you with you with what the hell you can do with it. So what we're going to be chatting about today are investment strategies, creative financial strategies that I believe everybody should know about whether you're a real estate agent or not. You see, When you sharpen your skills and you're able to go out there and uh, present yourself and actually create value for other people, you get paid, okay? You get paid based upon the ability of the problems you solve, period. You don't get paid because you have a piece of paper in your pocket that allows you to technically, legally receive money for selling properties. You get paid with what the hell you can do with it. So what we're going to be chatting about today real estate investing, creatively real estate investing, especially with little to no money down, and sort of how all that stuff works. And our guest today is an absolute expert in residential real estate investing and we're gonna pick his brain, he's gonna give us a lot of different creative ways Um, I'm going to turn it into marketing techniques while we're doing this podcast for you guys and we're going to get right into it. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my guest. His first name is Alex. His last name I can't pronounce and we're going to go ahead and let him do it for you. So without further ado, Alex M, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you <laughs> our so Axel, much, Mike. Axel M, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead and tell our audience who you are, a little bit about yourself, and let's get right on into it.
1: Okay, awesome. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, so my name is Axel Meyerhofer. I'm originally from Germany, still have a little bit of the accent, live in the San Diego area, not and far away from uh, Mike, and got into real estate investing about 15, almost 20 years ago by now. Uh, For one, because as a business owner, I felt I needed to come up with a strategy for myself to have retirement income, not having to depend necessarily on the government. And as I told friends and, and clients and stuff more and more of what I was doing, they were saying, you know, you should actually tell other people about it. And then we developed a strategy and here we are and doing it on a regular basis now.
0: Interesting. And now you guys are, yeah, you guys are, and you guys specialize specifically in residential. We're not talking about commercial. We're not talking about three plus four or four plus units multifamily. This is all residential. Is that right? Right.
1: It's all residential. It's uh, one to four units basically to stay within that FHA envelope that is specific for that and applies similar rules to what you do when you buy a property for your own use. We feel that that is also a very safe market spreading the risk around because that's, you know, shelter is always going to be needed. People need a place to live. And if we and for ourselves, I do this for myself, which is probably a big differentiator. It's one thing to talk about something. But if you do it yourself, we have 10 properties that we own ourselves directly and keep adding to it on a regular basis. So there is practical real time every year, every day experience. But fundamentally, it's also You know, whatever happens in crazy times like we live through, people will still need shelter, need a nice place to live. And we try to help our clients to find these nice places and make it as passive as possible.
0: So what's the number one reason why? um, Because obviously you've done it. You have a system we're going to learn about and strategies and whatnot. But why are so many people not doing this? Because like you make it easy. Why do so? what's what's the biggest thing that you see? Uh, out there that stops people from doing this? Is it lack of education? Is it lack of creativity? What is that?
1: I think it's two things. Number one is, and and you may have heard this other places, is most people that I know that I find that find us don't pay themselves first. That's the number one thing. So I always preach like take the first 10% of anything that comes in, whether you do gigs, whether you do Uber, whether it's your normal job, take that first 10%. If you can do more, fine, but at least take the first 10% and put that into what I call the accumulation account. And I know that you don't make a lot of interest or stuff like that, but that money should not get into your hands so that at the end of the month, you wonder where did all my money go? So the first 10% goes into that. Most people don't start with that. And then the second part is to very clearly set your goals. And I start out with something that comes from Jim Collins. It's called the B-Hack, which stands for big, hairy, audacious goal. something really challenging to uh, accomplish. Mine, for example, is I want to get to a point where I make $15,000 a month passive income. Now, I'm not there yet. I'm at about half of that, but it's a really pretty challenging goal. And then you can go there and, and do sub-goals. And for my clients, and most of the time it starts, especially here in our area or on the East Coast, with I want to get my first investment property. And it feels like I can't do it because I don't have the money. I don't have the connections. I don't have this, this, and this. And that's where we basically come in and help is basically to say, okay, number one, what you really need to get clear in your mind. And that's what the mindset manual you and I spoke before the show about is to get clear in your mind that all you need to get started is about 20K. So if you think about I put 10 percent and you know how much you're making, you put 10 percent into your accumulation account and maybe you can convince your spouse to do the same. You can count the month until you have that number. And you use that time, if you allow us to help you, for example, use that time to learn all the things you need to know for qualification with the lender, how to search for a property and those kind of things to be ready. And as soon as you hit that 20K mark, we can go and find the first property together. And after we've done it a few times together, you can rock and roll on your own.
0: Well put. Folks, 10% of your commission, put it away unless you have a nest egg, but... You need 20K liquid to start this, regardless of where we're at. And we're talking about, uh, before we got on this, like, Axel and I just met. Like, I haven't met him, but he coincidentally, he lives like 20 minutes from me. in Escondido, And we were chatting about this, and he's talking about uh, regardless of the market you're in. Like San Diego is an expensive market, like $600,000. So most people would be like, shit, I need 20%. I don't have that and therefore they don't even think about it. But what he's saying is that with $20,000 regardless of the pricing or the market that you're in, you can get started with doing this. So let's get into the how and how this works. All right, so I have 20K. Let's just pretend I have it. Let's get into the strategies and uh, go through exactly how, walk me through this.
1: Right. Um, So the most important thing in our strategy, I call that the out-of-state turnkey strategy comes with the first thing that we all don't want to quit our lives. If you show if your audience is mainly real estate agents and brokers and stuff like that, they probably keep want to keep doing what they're doing and be able to say this other thing, my investment stuff is working relatively passive. So how does it go? The first step is to say, let's say you got qualified. If you aren't, then I help you to work with my lender who works in forty seven states across the country. So you get pre qualified once, you're good to go now the second step is to say okay where do we find properties that perform because that's really the next thing in the when you said you know what are the steps put 10 percent away set your b hack set your sub goal and then step number three what is performance and i apply for our clients the one percent rule which is pretty easy you find a hundred thousand dollar property it needs to pay you a thousand dollars rent a month that's one percent right so finding properties that That have that performance. And the the second part of the strategy about turnkey comes in to say, how do I find somebody who is getting me the property, has a stake in renovating it to a really nice standard, like you see on HDTV, then find me the tenant for that property and be in charge of managing that lease agreement. All under one roof and that eliminates a huge number of turnkey providers because some do only flipping some do only the selling some do only the property management but you really in our strategy you have to have them right under one roof and that's you know and I naturally for our clients make those available that we work with ourselves which is only a handful across the country but that's enough you don't need 20 different right you need three to five and you're good to go for the rest of your portfolio And that also allows you to have your properties in three to five different market areas, which spreads the risk. But the most important thing is these turnkey providers that we are working with and introducing you to, they need to have what I call a triangular stake. Think about it. If they find a property and they don't renovate it well, and then they can turn it over after the sale to another company who is managing it, you as the owner will always be in the struggle to find out whose fault was it. Did the guys who bought and renovated screw it up? Did the property management maintenance guys screw it up? Or did I miss something when I purchased it? If everything is under the same roof, which is our strategy, then they would be really, excuse my French, but they would be stupid. If they don't renovate it well, because when you buy it as the owner, when we help you to buy it, you have at least one year warranty on everything. So if they don't do it well and the tenants move in and something breaks, then the, then the turnkey provider has to pay for fixing it. So they might as well do it right when they renovate it.
0: So you're pretty much have set up, well, one, obviously have the right team. Right. And I'm seeing this a lot throughout the country too, is that real estate agents need to do a lot more than just buy or sell properties. They need to have a property management solution. Uh, you guys, we have this thing called iBuyers that is in many of the ma- metropolitan markets right now. And what they're doing on a deep basis is exact. They're telling us what to do. Like Open Door, for as a matter of fact, just opened up their brokerage version in Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken. I just read that. And these iBuyer companies, like they use the cash offer as the way to generate the lead. But nine times out of 10, nine and a half times out of 10, the deal doesn't work out. It turns into a listing. But yeah. what I'm getting at, folks, is that you have to be an ultimate resource. That's what a real estate agent is. You're a connector nowadays. You're not a salesperson anymore. And when you have these different people in place, like how much more valuable does your offering become as a real estate agent? When you walk up to somebody, you say, hey, listen, I have this whole thing. I can find you the property. I have the property management company to do it for you. And I have a whole done for you solution. Like you're just going to sell more houses. That's just what happens. But I think I want you guys to look at this in sort of a twofold. One, I want you to take the information that you're learning here today and apply it to your skills as a real estate agent and how you serve clients. And then secondly, I want you to take the information as a, what you learn here today and apply it to your own damn investing. Yeah, so absolutely. that you can look at it. And the main thing is know the skill, the skill, the most money I ever made in the real estate market was when we were cranking short sales. We we're doing 35 closings a month. And it's because we learned a skill nobody else was willing to take on. We learned how to mitigate losses with the bank and we're mitigating millions of dollars per month with the bank because we're really good at it. We found a niche. This is another niche that is no longer an option, you guys. Some of the top agents in the country all own their niches. If you don't believe me, go back to the REO days, the short sale days. Some of the top agents in the country work with three or four investors and that's it. They keep turning and buying property. So, So what we're talking about is working smart, not hard. And part of your offering as an agent is to surround yourself with the right power team that has all of this stuff done for you because then you become, it just makes you look cooler. Let's be honest with it. Right. Do you want to serve three day old food or fresh food? It's the same thing in the restaurant industry. We need to do the same shit in our business. Um, sorry. I had to ha- hammer that point out. So I want to go back to the 1% thing. Cause that was interesting. And I want to know why. So you're saying, your formula for purchasing is 1% of the sales price. So, if I find a $500,000 property, I need to rent that thing for $5,000 a month. Right. Okay. Exactly. And I'm going to ask you more questions. I just want to confirm that. So, 1% of the, of the sales price. Okay. Walk me through Just I want to know the strategy. Like If I find a house, let's just say I find a three, $300,000 house and I could yield $3,000 a month on it. And is this a monthly tenant? Are we doing Airbnb or is it a little bit of all of the
1: above? No, it's a would be a long-term tenant. And naturally, if you were to be able to get like beyond 50, 60, 70% occupancy rate for an Airbnb, you could get probably beyond that. And Airbnb type investments typically go up to 2 and even more percent in that same formula. The point is I mean, we just literally lived the last six months through it. It can be theoretically cut off overnight, right? And then you have nothing and you're still responsible for the mortgage. So um, we are a little bit more conservative and traditional, you might say, but uh, I'm talking 1% from a long-term tenant. And the criteria, the 1% is actually the end result. And why 1%? Because I don't advise anybody to make an investment in a residential real estate property where you don't have positive cash flow from day one and if you do the calculations with the interest rates right now with the insurance that you need to do with your property taxes and then I actually advise the 555 rule which is 5% vacancy 5% maintenance and 5% capex to put aside so if you take that plus the mortgage plus insurance plus property tax you still want to make some money and with our low uh, interest rate environment right now Typically, with the properties that we find, you, you're making anywhere between 250 to 300 dollars a month. Now, that may not sound very much, but keep in mind, you have no cost because everything else is covered by. Well, you insurance. got the
0: deductions, you got depreciation. Right. Yeah, yeah. You got appreciation. So you're playing. It's a long-term play, no doubt.
1: Right, right. Exactly. And I mean, so that's basically the point. I don't want investors, which is one of the issues that you and I run into if we were to do the same thing here in San Diego. If we do it, it's not so much that you couldn't find somebody who will maybe paying twenty five to one hundred to three thousand. But that might just really get you to break even because our property taxes are substantial and all these other like bonds and stuff that we have to pay for. So I want my clients or our clients to be able to have positive cash flow from day one. And it's not just to say, I have it because I found a good deal. But think about it. That money that I mentioned earlier about going into your accumulation account, that positive cash flow, if you don't really need it for consumption, can go 100% into your accumulation account. So you're accelerating the more properties you have, the more you accelerate the ability to buy another one and another one and another one. It might take you the first one might take you 9, 10, 12 months. The next one is nine months. The next one is seven months. And sooner or later, you buy two a year or three a year. Right. snowball, yeah, snowball basically. So that's, that's and the one thing. And then the other thing is the 1% pe- people might say, Oh, I can go out and find 1% properties all over the place, but they also have to be in a B category neighborhood. They have to have that's to- my next
0: set of, those are my next set of questions is uh, the yeah. types of properties? Let's get into that next. I have a bunch yeah. on that. So, but we're going to look for properties that need to be brought up to its highest and best use.
1: No, we don't have to because our turnkey provider will already give those to us. We don't even have to find the, the ugly duckling.
0: No, but I mean like stuff with the value add. So I I want a house with shag carpeting so I can put in hardwood floors. Like I want the Corian countertops so I can put in granite. Are you are most of these properties, are you seeing a better investment looking, adding and putting work in before tenants secured?
1: No, because the the issue is when you come to that, perform, if you were able to find a $300,000 properties that pays you $3,000 a month and you have to do nothing, Right, keep that in mind as one option, or you find one and you have to put a hundred thousand dollars and three to six months of work in, and then you get the three down. Which one do you prefer? And that's basically what I'm saying. I go to the people who do all the work, but more importantly, they carry all the risk. If they find that property and you say, "Okay, I want to put on the granite countertop," you take some cabinets away and you find cracks in the foundation. As an owner on my system, I don't care. They take all the risk until it's pretty done inspected. Validated and appraised, and only if it appraises to what they want to sell it to me am I willing to do the deal? So all the risk sits with them. If you find it and you say, "Yes, I can do a wedge deal because I can get the equity, but you also carry all the risk and here, in our area, it typically doesn't work because it's too expensive well if it's if you go to the areas where it is not that expensive, where you can get that one percent deal, it's not close by. Who wants to do something like this a thousand or two thousand miles away. Right, So I try to find what is the ideal setup where somebody takes the risk, finds the deal, renovates the place, meets the 1% rule with all its criteria. I have positive cash flow from day one, and I help them to get all those relationships that they need to make that happen. And for me, that is the best of all worlds.
0: Great. You just sat up everybody and you took all the risk away from the investor, right. put yeah. it on everybody else so that it's a no-brainer. So you gave them a risk-free offer.
1: Yeah, and Eventually. we go one step further and say actually we only sign with a with a deal at the closing when we get a one year rent guarantee.
0: So talk talk to me about the um, how this twenty thousand dollars works, and then let's get into the types of assets you work. I have a bunch of questions on that. So this is hard money, is it? What do they short term loan? You refi out of it? Like how does that twenty k work? Is that a hard money lender? Is it is a regular lender? Is it like how does that all? Because I know people are going to have questions like twenty k? What if the house is a million bucks? Or what if the house is five hundred thousand dollars? where am I getting this loan? Who am I paying my nut to? And you know all of that.
1: Right. Well, I mean, the 20K is basically an example for one individual property around 100000 And it's regular FHA secured money, which just to give you a little idea why that can be important in our day and in age right now. If you had that mortgage, whether you live in the property yourself or you're an investor, you are eligible if you are in any way harmed by the COVID situation to ask for forbearance. Right. So it's it, the government is actually supporting you with help. And the rules by the government supported lenders right now is that when that time, whether they do it three, six, nine, twelve 12 months ends, that money that you didn't pay gets added to the end of your mortgage. So instead of a 30 year mortgage, you now have a 31 year old mortgage, uh, a lasting mortgage. You know what the interesting part about that is today's dollars you save. And in 31 years, you still pay the same monthly dollar amount, but the value of the money is massively less, right? So a lot of the things, because you're falling in this residential real estate umbrella under the same rules that owner occupants fall under, you also benefit from all the rules and all the things that the government comes up with to protect the owner occupant. And you just happen to fall under the same umbrella. As soon as you do apartment, commercial, business, malls, trailer parks, you, you name it, none of these rules apply. That's you know We're adding on all kinds of good arguments. Why is this one to four property, residential, real estate thing? At least right now, I'm not saying it's going to be forever. You mentioned you, know, you did it when everybody was foreclosing. Awesome, right? Right now, I believe, is the best time for residential real estate. And I'm actually looking now for four-bedroom, two-baths, when up to the end of last year, I always looked for three-bedroom, two-baths. Why? Because I want to give people, my tenants, the option to have an office. Right? Yeah. I learned that the new term. I don't know, Mike, if you've heard that. That's is- interesting.
0: So you actually saw the uh, yeah three-bedroom plus office space because everyone's working from home come
1: into the mix. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, they call that Zoomification.
0: Interesting. So Let's talk about the neighborhoods and locations, yes yeah. message Because a lot of people would say, like with COVID, if I'm in like a D-class neighborhood, no one's paying rent right now. And we're hearing right. that like all over the country. So you have A's neighborhoods, B's, C's, D's, and they right. classify them. Let's break that down and give us the reasoning uh, what you've seen.
1: Yeah, for us, exactly for that reason, we're looking for basically B or maybe C plus. But typically, we try to find our properties in B class neighborhoods. That is also, you have to keep in mind from the turnkey providers. Yes, on the one hand, they take the risk, but they also want to have a good probability of sale. Right? If the property, you know, you need to be armed to find your property, that's not ideal. And it is true, like you just said, they're collecting rent. So you want to find that happy medium. When you go and say, I qualify my tenants, they have to have three times rental income as their regular income and not just for three months. As soon as you do that, you don't find them in these kind of like more dilapidated areas. And it is not discrimination in any way. It's just we are investors. I think that's important for us to realize We have to have the mindset of an investor. So what is the best balance of risk, income, neighborhood, economic strength, and all those kind of things? And that is basically in the B2B minus area for schools, for business, for ability to pay rent. But also, what kind of quality of life do I have? Because what we're really doing, if you think about it, is we have the turnkey guys find a property, 1960, 70, 80 property that they bring up to 2020 standard. Everything is basically like buying a new car. It still smells new when the tenants move in and they're paying a thousand bucks a month or something like that. And that's, for me, the message is, I want my tenants to feel home. It needs to be a good home that they're proud of. And if they are, then they treat it well. They pay their rent. It makes that their most important thing every month. And I don't have a million things on, on maintenance to pay, even though I have the first year guaranteed that it's a high quality, good value, good neighborhood, good, good economics. And then you have this really virtuous thing where the turnkeys are happy. I'm as the owner, am happy and the tenants are happy to live in a place like that.
0: Makes a lot of common sense. And you see a lot of people get chased with the numbers though. I remember like uh, when I was still selling in Chicago, You know, if you invest in the South side, you'd see cap rates of like 16, 18, 20% in some cases, and you're just like, wow, the numbers look great on this. But the maintenance is a headache. You had to deal with a lot of headache issues, Uh, anything from building issues to tenant issues to non payment and all of that. Uh, But that makes sense. I think it really just depends on the appetite of the investor and what they're they're looking to do. uh,
1: What we do, Mike, is uh, it's very important. With our lenders, we basically insist not only on the rent guarantee, but Since the turnkey provider is offering us a sale, it's not the typical you find and you negotiate stuff and so forth. But to cater for that and really make a little bit of a protection for that is that we insist on and we are the trigger on the lending side for the inspection and the appraisal. And if something doesn't and there are actually just so you know, there are and your agents know this. There are turnkey providers out there who tell you right up front 30, 40 percent of our deals don't appraise. Well, then I tell my clients and myself, don't buy it. It has to appraise at or above the asking price, right? And part of that is if it's renovated well, if it's inspected and passes all the things that an inspector looks for, an independent one, then it will appraise. And then you have at least the equity from day one that you should have. In most cases, I can say even in the Midwest, we appraise about 3 to 5% above asking. And so, you know, that's why I'm saying when you, when you look at the big market that you have in front of you anywhere, and then you start adding the criteria, I want to be in B class. I want to be economic. I want a three times income. I, I want appraising. I want inspection and stuff. All of that narrows down further and further. But what you end up with is a really stable deal. I have 95% rent income through the whole COVID time. And that is good quality, good selection, good vetting, and working with good people.
0: Mitigating risk. How are you finding these properties? What are the best place to source?
1: Well, when I first started, I had to look myself and then see which, which property managers and turnkey providers do it. Now, with the network that we have developed, we basically, I get contacted by the partners that we're working with, the turnkey providers, as soon or shortly after they acquired a, a deal for renovation. So it never really gets onto the website and a million people. So you're, ba-
0: Yeah, you're basically, this is, I was, I was going to guess this is off market. So like wholesalers will unload to you. Rehabbers will unload to you guys.
1: Well, they unload to the turnkey provider. And then the yeah. turnkey provider calls me and says, we have these two that are exactly your criteria because I gave them all, everyone that we work with, the five different, they, they have our criteria and they call me and say, Hey, we have this this fourplex is perfect for your criteria and it's going to come out this i sent you the proforma and then it's always up you know is it do i take it myself or do i offer it to one of my clients
0: we call this manufacturing deals yeah you, um, could
1: that. Exactly. you know because
0: um this happened i remember this is like we did something very similar in like uh 2012 um we had a hedge fund come in they never end up taking off i don't think they get funded or not but i was in charge of building out this like big program and their hedge fund ready to buy just like the Blackstone guys were doing all all that when the hedge funds were buying everything. And I had to map out the uh, marketing plan for the hedge fund and and the acquisition. And how I did it was reverse engineered the whole process because the MLS deals were not great. So we went actually and would start chasing. But because we had the end buyer, one of the people that we approached were the rehabbers, the wholesalers, the investors were like, here, we'll buy all your shit. Unload them to us. You know, we want the finished product. So folks, a lot of this stuff is like, think outside the box, like quit just opening and closing doors and pretending you're just a real estate agent because you have to think outside the box today. Like real estate agents every day are becoming more and more of a commodity. Every single day, there's guys like this that are creating creative ways to buy and sell property. There's iBuyers creative ways to buy and sell property. People don't need a real estate agent anymore. They choose to use one. They only choose to use the ones that create more value in a transaction than when they're absent in one. So don't um, overthink this stuff. Start focusing on solutions. And like right here, right off the bat, I'm just thinking about the marketing side, even as an agent, whether they work with you guys or whatever, I could see people being like, I would love to sell done for you real estate investing to my client book, my book of clients.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There is no doubt about it. And I mean, if if we're not necessarily only looking at our immediate area, Mike, where you and I live, but a little bit bigger picture, we also should keep in mind that there is probably a good idea for a real estate agent or a broker to find out who are the really good, like by my criteria, really good turnkey providers in the area not just look at the pretty, you know, all finished, all ready to go property. And I'm not talking wholesaling, but properties that are probably a little harder to sell and say, hey, turnkey provider, why don't we have a relationship with each other where I'm making you aware of these deals? Because keep in mind, they're gonna renovate every property anyway. This is a perfect example.
0: So right after we get off with this podcast, I'm gonna introduce Axel to the largest home buy, private home buyer in San Diego. These guys have 50 to 100 assets in any given time, all single-family homes, and they'll wholesale, they'll unload them, they'll rehab, they'll fix, whatever. They look for the right deal. Now, just because Excel has a solution for them, now that transaction could lead that one source. You don't need 1,000 transactions. You need connected people, connected businesses, because this one source, if you guys hit it off, could turn into 20, 30 deals a year for you right here in San Diego.
1: Absolutely, Harvey. yeah, Totally. Yeah. So makes a lot That's of sense. You don't ever, you know, just think, okay, I have my little area, my left and right. And I, I think one thing that is a little bit uh, disappointing, I w- would be really cool to hear your opinion, Mike, is There has been this time, probably about start about 10 years, maybe a little more ago, where everybody was telling everyone in marketing and and selling and so forth, you have to find your niche and you have to niche down further, 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 further. And I believe what we end up in some way is that people get so narrow, so much looking down the straw that they don't necessarily see the opportunities anymore. And, And I'm not necessarily saying that the strategy that we are doing is working in higher, more expensive markets. there are so many markets across the country where you can actually make the one percent rule work so for any agent or broker to to find a turnkey and you're just feeding them that that doesn't need to be your number one business but if you find and feed them properties that are a little bit challenging and they turn them into white swans you know then then that's everybody wins and and for me i think it is great if in a sense, if out of some reason a renovated property for whatever reason when times change doesn't sell from the turnkey, you have the relationship the turnkey sales guy can call you and say, you know what? Why don't you make that into an owner occupied versus an investment? Boom, you get a fully renovated, no risk property back and then you sell it. You sell it basically twice, right? So I think if I were in marketing, I would tell people, you know, guys, develop these relationships. Because you benefit, the turnkey guys don't have to look, and you basically have this standing relationship because the people that are actually renting from me, guess what? Most of them, sooner or later, as they grow in their development, in their careers, they want to become owners, right? Mm-hmm. So if my turnkey provider has a good relationship to a few agents, guess who they call when the tenant says, I want to buy a house.
0: Yeah. I have a couple of friends do uh, property management companies, and that's the number one source in their business for that reason, and uh, it's just a, it's another lead gen, but that's the point, folks is like it's not just about anymore helping buyers, helping sellers. It is like of course we're always going to do that in real estate industry, but it's more of about I believe the riches are always in the niches because if a generalist doesn't resonate with anyone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. and I mean the one thing that I would also say is you know you, you basically want to provide a good service so that everybody has a saving right mm-hmm. An agent who works with the turnkey provider or property manager gives them the saving of time for me having all these relationships is basically the saving anybody could go on on different you know bigger pockets or or zillow or whatever try to learn all of the stuff that you and i learned in the last 15 years and then slowly but surely making tons of mistakes figure it out themselves Or you can shortcut and say, okay, there are people like Mike and Axel who have done this for a while. And, you know, I hook up with them. Yes, they don't do it for free, but I eliminate all the risks. I get all the relationships and I get the deals much sooner rather than later.
0: So what you're saying is that follow the roadmaps already been laid out. Don't try to recreate the wheel. Just recreate your own version of it.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Um, Very, very cool. Axel, why don't you go ahead and uh, let our listeners know uh, how they can reach you, go ahead and give them your site, and then we'll go ahead and get this show wrapped up. I think we got everything.
1: Okay, great. Thank you, Mike. And thanks again for having me. So you can find us on uh, idealwealthgrower.com. And as I mentioned to Mike before the show, we created a little gift for all of you who want to kind of get into that investor mindset. So if you go to idealwealthgrower.com forward slash free, you get to our site and you can download our mindset menu that helps you to actually kind of think about what should be my goal, how do I go about it? How do I actually attract the right stuff? How do I get situated properly? And then if you guys want to talk to me directly, my number and I have no hesitation to give that to everybody is 805-708-6830. It's
0: from the Dallas area. Right? <laughs> Santa
1: Barbara actually <laughs> uh, Santa,
0: 805? I was wondering where I thought that was Dallas. Oh well maybe it's 850. Anyways folks, thank you for listening to another episode of the Wrestling Marketing podcast. Exactly what he just said is uh exactly right and folks you know what we do we create done for you video content don't try to learn this stuff on your own if you want someone to script edit and distribute your video content coach you what to do tell you exactly how to do it build your strategy basically just follow the damn instructions and we'll get you on the map that's it it's really that simple you go to realestatemarketingdude.com realestatemarketingdude.com thank you so much for listening to our show please go ahead and follow us on instagram definitely subscribe to the youtube channel follow us on another series i call brand you on that and connect with us on facebook Uh, Until next week, we will see you guys again. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy your day. And again, start thinking outside the box, folks, because people don't hire the same, they hire different. Peace. Today's episode may be over, but we have plenty more to keep you busy. To get your complete blueprint for building out a real marketing plan for your real estate business, head over to realestatemarketingdude.com and see if you have what it takes to really become more than just a typical agent. Are you the next real estate marketing dude? Find out here next time on Real Estate Marketing Dude.